Episode 56 of the Pilot the Pilot podcast takes off now. I'm Lauren Gaudian. I'm the Associate Director of Marketing and Recruitment at Lyft. And my name's Ed Bagdon. I'm the Associate Director of Flight Operations and Safety at Lyft Academy. What is going on, Aving Nation? And welcome back to the Pilot the Pilot podcast, episode number 56 featuring Lyft Academy. Lyft Academy is wholly owned by Republic Airways. Lyft Academy also promises you and guarantees you a CFI job to build your hours. And then they also guarantee a first officer job at Republic Airways. Now, thinking about that, and if you want to go the regional route or the airline route, this sounds like a great opportunity for a lot of students. So buckle up and stay tuned for this episode, Aviation. You are not going to want to miss this. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave me a review on iTunes. You can let me know what you think on Instagram at Pilot the Pilot. Check out our Twitter at Pilot the Pilot. Email me Pilot the Pilot HQ at gmail.com. And please check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash Pilot the Pilot. We have some really cool swag there, so make sure you check that out. And if you're interested in sponsoring the podcast, drop me a note. Leave me an email, pilotthepilothq at gmo.com. Avionation, I don't want to keep you any longer from learning about Lyft Academy. So without further ado, here's Lyft Academy. Lauren and Ed, thanks for coming on the Pilot the Pilot podcast. I'm excited to have you guys on today and talk a little bit more about Lyft and uh, what Lyft's kind of mission and goal is all about. Absolutely. We're happy to be here with you today. Yeah, perfect. So let's just dive right in. First thing, just tell me what is Lyft? Why did Lyft get started? And kind of the background behind uh, Lyft, Aca- Lyft, uh, Lyft Academy, right? That's right. Okay, yeah. perfect. Make sure I say it right. <laughs> so Lyft Academy is a flight training institution here in Indianapolis, Indiana. And we are wholly owned and operated by Republic Airways. So our school is, our mission is to train the best pilots and make sure that they're airline ready by the time that they start training with us and continue that on with our technology and our training, you know, manuals through to their time at Republic. The great thing about Lyft is that students receive a job waiting for them whenever they um, complete their training. They will be first officers at Republic Airways. Yeah, and you say when you complete their training, so obviously 1,500 hours, so complete their training CFI normally after that. CFI, do they work as a CFI at Lyft after they complete all their training? That's right, yeah. So not only do they have the guaranteed position at Republic as a first officer, but they have a guaranteed flight instructor position at Lyft that will build their 1,500 hours. Cool. And then is there... so? When they become a CFI, I know we'll kind of get back into more of the backstory in a little bit, but just have this question on my mind. But when they become a CFI, do you guys ever envision having too many CFIs or do you have a plan? Because I know their pilot market's really good right now, but one economic downturn and things could kind of go back to where they were in 2008. But say that worst case scenario happens, would you still hire them as flight instructors or is there a point where you would stop hiring as flight instructors? Uh, As of our plan right now, we would hire them as flight instructors uh, because our ultimate goal is to get those pilots the experience they need to get them into the right seat of an Embraer uh, jet at Republic. So, um, you know, unlike traditional flight schools, you know, our our bottom line really at Lyft is is creating the best trained first officer candidates for Republic Airways uh, as possible. Definitely. Cool. So where did this whole vision come from, from Republic? Was this, uh, was Lyft a, a flight school in Indianapolis already? Or is this kind of the, the big wigs at Republic talking to each other like, hey, how do we combat this pilot shortage? How do we make sure Republic can survive the shortage that's coming? 
Sure. I mean, if you look at the, the industry, everybody's been talking about the pilot shortage for you know a decade or so <laughs> yeah. at this point. And, uh, you know, Republic decided that it was time to kind of take control of, of our own destiny and go ahead and vertically integrate our supply of pilots. So I think that, you know, we get a lot of great first officers from you know, our different partners in the industry, whether they're, you know, universities with aviation programs or dedicated flight schools. You know, we get a lot of great pilots, but looking at the demand for, for pilots in the next decade and, and beyond, uh, we don't believe that, that that supply is is going to be adequate. So Republic decided to, to make the big step in the industry of basically building from the ground up an aviation uh, training school that is designed to meet the needs of the airline and train pilots using uh, the same standard operating procedures and mentality from day one to make them best suited to enter into the uh, right seat of Republic. That's awesome. So when they come for their very first flight lesson, it's going to be how Republic operates their cockpit, CRM, kind of the talks and the flows. They're going to get that from the first day, correct? Absolutely. So uh, one of the big differences, obviously, you know, CRM is very important and we try to to emphasize those principles throughout training. Um, However, you know, a Diamond DA-40 or a (laughs) DA-42 is a a single pilot airplane. So a lot of it is principles of SRM. However, if you take a look at our normal procedures checklist or our standard operating procedures, even our QRC, our quick reference card, or our QRH, for the DA-40, you're going to find uh, more similarities with those documents between the, the DA-40 and the Embraer 170 than uh, I've ever seen a, a general aviation or a pilot training operation. Uh, we really do operate the DA-40 as much like uh, a Republic Airways E-170 as we possibly can while remembering that it is a single engine piston driven aircraft uh, and that it is a single pilot environment. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, um, I know exactly what you're talking about. My training was, I did 60 part 61 and 141 and there wasn't really a CRM taught or they didn't really teach you flows and all that stuff. And then I went on to the freight world and it was kind of, I mean, we had checklists, but you know, freight, you kind of just like do the checklist by, by memory. And then you back it up when you, when you're tired and make sure you're doing everything correct. But one of the toughest things that I did transitioning to the job I have now was just learning the company, kind of how the company ran things, how the company operated, whether it was the flows, the call outs, the procedures, they kind of are the same or they're different for every single company and they all operate differently. They all want you to fly a plane, but they all do it just a little bit differently. So having the ability to kind of not worry about that as they move up and go through the check rides necessarily or ground school and stuff, that's one of the hardest things is kind of learning how your company does it. Flying necessarily isn't the hardest part, but it's just adjusting to the words that they specifically want you to say at the specific moments can really kind of help you out at a check ride when they're going up for a flying Ember. Exactly. For sure. Yeah. And, you know, we've had a number of milestones so far and a lot of things to, to really celebrate and be proud of at Lyft. But I think that the milestone that I'm looking forward to the most is when we start to transition our students into in-dock at the airline and mm-hmm. uh, getting that feedback. I believe that, you know, for our students, it's not going to necessarily be a new company or new procedures. It's going to be more of a new airplane than anything else. Of right. course, there's going to be some you know, things that are unique to 121, but a lot of those we're going to be able to train 
throughout the 1500 hours that we have with our students. Right. You know, and it's, I could fly the plane. I could fly an instrument approach just as well as anyone else, but it was just remembering what I need to say at the right time. And then when you get in the mindset of worrying about what you need to say, you kind of forget about that you're flying and it just kind of all happens at once and it, you get behind the airplane and that's when things, can, that's when bad things can happen. So like I said, just knowing all that stuff and the company specific procedures will really, really be an advantage for them. Sure. If you did a, a camera one, camera two with a, uh, a Lift Academy DA-40 shooting an ILS, and then on, on camera two, you had a, a Republic Embraer 170 shooting the ILS, you'd see the pilots basically saying all of the same things, all of the same call-outs as they proceed through the approach. It's just uh, obviously the Embraer is going to get to the runway quite a little a faster. <laughs> just a little faster. Even if just on one engine, it'll still get there faster. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, that is and awesome. We're fortunate with our training programs, Republic and Lyft, being really across the interstate from each other, Mm -hmm. that we're able to give our students exposure to the Republic training program now already. For instance, last week, we took a group of our students on a field trip to the training center, and they were able to speak with our director of flight training and see a little bit of the stages that our pilots at Republic will go through when they get there. That's cool. No, it's definitely good. That will help ease the mind of kind of knowing what's to come. And it kind of gives them a set checklist necessarily of just checking off boxes, be like, all right, if I do this, then this is the next step. And you have that all the way up until you're, you're become a first officer, essentially. So that's really cool. Talk about um, a little bit about just the, the struggles. Because they can see that end goal. Yeah, no, for sure. Seeing right. the end goal is huge. Talk a little bit about um, just creating a flight school. Like, I mean, I know that it's easier said than done. And I know that you guys are really one of the only ones in the industry that are doing this the way you're doing it. So go a little bit about of how you guys kind of put it all together. So May of 2018, we launched with our press release um, along with the state of Indiana, the city of Indianapolis, the airport authority here at Indianapolis as well. And before that, it was really a concept that the four of our leadership team, we got together and, you know, we bring a lot of great experience because most of us do come from Republic and we're implementing the successes that we've had in the 121 field at a part 141 level. Mm -hmm. So, you know, everything from one, creating our brand that, you know, is my job. And we had to come up with something that would attract people that may not have thought of aviation prior. Mm-hmm. So you know, everything that we're marketing is to really capture the attention of people that have that explorer mindset that want to um, get out there and see the world. So maybe they thought of ma- aviation prior, maybe they haven't, but now we want them to know that aviation is an opportunity for them. Um, and then on the flight side, I'll let Ed talk about all the work that they did to secure that 141 certification so quickly. Absolutely. Yeah, the process started uh, for me with Lyft about a year ago. I had the opportunity to uh, join up on the project, and it's it's been a really incredible experience so far being a, a part of this startup. But, you know, part of it was going out there and getting to fly a lot of really great airplanes from a number of different manufacturers, trying to find the airplane that best fit our operation, our mission of, uh, you know, training airline pilots. And we ended up uh, choosing Diamond Aircraft. They've been a really great partner to us. We love their airplanes. And, uh, you know, it's everything from the diesel-powered engine across our entire fleet, which gives us efficiency. It gives us the single lever power control, just like you have in a jet. Mm-hmm. We've got the G1000 NXI avionics. We've got autopilots in all of our aircraft, because I think that for a lot of people, 
um, coming to the airlines, that's one of the big challenges is, is learning automation and how to properly use it when it's appropriate, what level of automation, and uh, also the, the invaluable skill of knowing when to turn it off and actually hand fly the airplane. So uh, that was a big part of it was finding the right hardware to do it. Um, we backed that up with some really great uh, FSTDs, also produced by Diamond. So they use the actual aircraft fuselage, all the same seats, buttons, switches, avionics. So uh, that creates a great training environment where, you know, you, you have something that you don't have in the airplane, which is a pause button. As well as the, uh, <laughs> Stop motion. The, the, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the ability to set time of day weather and, and things like uh, microbursts and other things that you can't really simulate in the real world. But we brought that down. You know, I've, I've done microburst training in the level D sims at the airline, but mm -hmm. uh, it's not something that I did when I did my, uh, my initial training. So to be able to do that earlier in the career to get that mentality going to be able to recognize things like that and recover appropriately is really important and then beyond that uh, basically it was it was putting together our team we have a great chief instructor he comes from the academic world his name's ben jaffe so he was able to bring that experience to us and uh, beyond that basically getting the manuals uh written as well as our tcos and, and working closely with our local FISDO to ensure that obviously safety is always number one but mm -hmm. also uh showing that the training program we put together uh, resulted in a, a rather quick uh, provisional pilot school certification under Part 141 uh, as of our, our start date in the beginning of September. So uh, we were able to get all of that set up, and, and that was basically the, the fundamentals of putting together a, a pilot school from the ground up. And <laughs> No big deal. <laughs> That's awesome. That's a, it's, Nothing happens fast with the FAA, so you guys definitely did a good job. <laughs> Um, so you started and the whole kind of brainchild of this was in May of 2018, correct? That was our official announcement that okay. we were going to become a flight school. Um, really, the brainchild was about a little over a year ago, um, like Ed mentioned, when they started searching the different aircraft. Okay. And then May to September is September when you guys got your first students? Or is that when the, kind of the flight school opened for business? The that's right. We had our orientation day for our first class on September 4th of 2018. How many, how many pilots did you guys have? We have just over 50 on site right now. Nice. And we have monthly orientations. So come Monday on February 4th, I think it is, we'll have um, a few more start with us. Awesome. What's kind of, um, so what's your pitch to a student? So what, I know that you kind of pitched, you said you're looking for explorers and people that love to explore and travel and stuff like that. But with someone that has so many options to choose for a flight school and someone that can just do so many things where they're, they can stay in their state or go to you guys up in Indianapolis, what is, what is your main pitch? What is kind of the, what, what are you looking for in a student necessarily? And, um, how do you guys get these students to come to you? Right. Yeah. You know, that's exactly the point. There are a lot of great options out there for flight training. So it really depends on the person to find out what is best, a best fit for them. Mm -hmm. And hopefully Lyft is a good fit for a lot of people. And, you know, one unique thing that we can offer that really no one else can is that at the end of the day, they, the day that they start their training, they have a guaranteed job waiting for them as a commercial airline pilot at Republic. So that's something that we can offer that no one else can. But <laughs> it's not a bad I little think, mic drop to have at the end. We're like, oh, by the way. <laughs> right. We start out with that and then, then yeah. we continue the conversation. <laughs> but, you know, I think our staff that we have, I mean, from day one that they're training for the career that they're going to ultimately be in, that's a sell in itself. 
and the technology that we use. We have brand new aircraft. They come right from the production line and we've got 50 of them on order. So if someone's looking for, you know, the quality of, of the aircraft that they're flying and the safety of the program, um, I think we've got something that, you know, other programs, you know, mm-hmm. are striving for as well. What's the timeline that you guys have kind of told these students that come here? Be like, what's the timeline from getting your private to f- all the way up to finishing your training to getting 1500 hours and then being at a, an FO or Republic? Have you kind of created a timeline that if everything goes perfect, if you pass all your check rides, if the weather's amazing, if it's not negative 75 degrees outside, what is the perfect timeline that you guys have set up for that you tell these students that come to you? Students are expected to complete their training within a year. Okay. So that takes them through CFII. Then from there, they transition into the role of a flight instructor here at Lyft, where we hope that within about 12 to 18 months, they can build to their 1,500 hours and then roll right into a, a new higher class at Republic. Okay. And then do they have, so we said they have a guaranteed job. Do they still have to interview or is an interview kind of they're kind of already in the Republic family and you kind of can be like, eh, they might not fit. You know what I mean? Like, is, are there, is there a chance that you could be in the program and they could get all their ratings, but they might not be the best fit for Republic? Is that a possibility or does everyone automatically get that job? So the way we've approached that is by uh, kind of making the admissions process for our school a little different than what you see uh, with other, you know, pilot training academies in the industry. So, right. Anybody that's interested in coming to Lyft, they uh, start by applying online on our website. And then following that, they, they would schedule an actual uh, interview at Lyft. And part of that is a uh, computer-based aptitude test. It's okay. called the Compass Assessment. It's made by a company called EPST. And it tests a, num- a number of different skills, things like uh, hand-eye coordination, math, spatial orientation, a lot of things that have been proven that if if people have aptitudes in those areas or strengths in those areas, that they're likely to be successful in the actual technical part of flight training. Mm -hmm. The other really important part of that that day when a student comes to Lyft after their application is an actual one-on-one interview with one of our uh, admissions recruiters uh, at Lyft. And that helps make sure that they're a good cultural fit for Republic. So Republic, right. uh, you know, I, I've worked there since 20, uh, 2012 as part of the uh, the company. And it has a really strong culture with really great people. People are our number one asset at Republic. So we want to make sure that the people we bring into Lyft are the right people, that they're going to fit in. So we test technical skills and we test people skills. And only the the uh, applicants who are able to you know successfully make it through both of those uh, batteries basically are offered a position in a class state at Lyft. So uh, this kind of aptitude testing and interviewing is something that I personally haven't seen at uh, other academies in the U.S. No, definitely not. And I like that because, I mean, you... Like, you can teach someone how to fly a plane. You can teach pretty much anyone how to fly a plane, but you don't know the main wild card is kind of how they are as a person and how they interact with the crew and how they interact in certain situations. So the fact that you can not just give this opportunity to everyone and it's kind of like a, it's like a business interview. It's like uh, this is your interview for flight school could potentially be your interview for your first job as a flying a jet. So this is a big deal. And I, I like that you guys are selective and I like that you're taking the time to take the necessary steps so you can kind of make sure that this is who you want to have in the in the program, and this is who you want to have flying at Republic. Because at the end of the day, they're going to be flying a couple, <laughs> what tens, hundreds of people around. So I mean, they, this is an important step for Republic to to make sure they get the right people that they want. Right. 
say I am, I just started my training. I did part 61. I already have my private and I just found out about Lyft. I never heard about it before. Is it possible to come transfer over with my private and continue training? Or do you guys prefer to train them from zero and take them all the way to their CFWI? We do have several students who have started their training with Lyft at various you know, points in their training. So we have students who will start at instruments, start at commercial, and they will have tuition that's prorated to that amount. Okay. So you do then accept every, okay, that's good. That's good to know because like you said, you are a new school. So someone might be like, hey, that would be perfect. I don't want to miss out on that. So that's cool. And talking about tuition, do you guys have a set amount that you tell them up front? Be like, hey, this is the price from zero to CFDI double or CFII, and this is how much you're going to spend the whole way out through before you become an FO at, Re- or a FO at Republic? That's right. We do have a set tuition price, and that's $65,000. So that 65000 is subsidized by Republic mm-hmm. as well as the state of Indiana. So we're fortunate to offer our students a one, you know, an an all-inclusive cost that includes not only their flight training, their truck rides, but also any supplies and equipment that they'll need throughout their year of training at Lyft. Dang. And then, so you're probably going to get a lot of people moving from out of state. Is there kind of like a campus that you would have for them to live or is it kind of find a hotel or what's the necessary, what kind of process do they go through to look for housing and stuff? They do have to secure their own housing. However, we work with several apartment complexes in the area of the Indianapolis airport. And so housing in the Midwest is pretty affordable. I think the cost of living is fair here. So we have students, we have applications from every state in the U.S. Um, And we've got students who have relocated from East Coast, West Coast, as well as different areas in the Midwest as well. Yeah. And I mean, that's one thing that people don't necessarily think about. They might hear I know I, when I found a couple of when I got my first jobs, I was so excited about the job and I was like, crap, I have to find a place to live. So it's the same thing with flight training. It's kind of like, oh, I found this awesome place to do my flight training. It's like, all right, well, now you got to find a place for rent. You got to find a place to live. And that can add to expenses and that can add to a lot of things that might hold people back. So it's cool. That you guys think about that and get the apartments to kind of work with each other and kind of find a good deal. But 65000 and all materials included and check rides and stuff, that's a, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. You can't go to ATP or pretty much any other flight school and spend that kind of money. That's, that's pretty good. Yeah, Especially with the quality of aircraft that we're flying yeah. as well. Yeah, for sure. Because a lot of flight schools are operating, what, 30-year-old 172s that are drinking oil like crazy. <laughs> Yeah, it's really um, it's it's a deal or a, a value that hasn't been seen in the uh, the industry for what I would say is a long time. I mean, the program has more value than than where I did my training a decade ago. So <laughs> I think we can all say that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And honestly, um, you know, for for most of the the pilots that I've I've spoke with in the industry, whether it was Republic pilots or friends associates at, at other carriers, everybody seemed pretty enthused about what we're doing at a at Lyft. And the one recurring comment I, I always hear is, I wish that was around when I did my training. Yeah. No, I would, I would definitely agree. I'm kind of thinking the same thing right now. I'm kind of like, how much did I spend? What did I do? 
it's like, where does this add up for me? <laughs> but no, I mean, I have a lot of people that, that ask me and message me, Hey, like, what's a good flight school? What's a good, what's, why should I go here? What should I look into a flight school? And I kind of think that you're hitting everything. You know, you want to see where you have the opportunity to go get a job, you know, or is it just a standard flight school where it's, you're not even going to be able to be a CFI there because it's so small? Is it a school that doesn't necessarily have a good track record with maintenance or even people passing check rides or, just you need to look at more than just the price. And it looks like that the cheaper you go, usually you're going to be sacrificing on equipment, CFIs, or just the knowledge that you're going to attain. And then the more expensive you're going to get, maybe better training, better aircraft, but you don't necessarily know where you're going to go after that, where your school seems to be the right price with the right aircraft and kind of has the the right mission of getting you to where you want to go for a job. Absolutely. We're, we're really proud of of what we do here at Lyft. And I would encourage anyone to, uh, to take a look at our website or even come, come see us at our hangar in Indianapolis. And we're, we're always excited to share what we're doing here. We, we take a lot of pride in it. And I think that, um, you'd be hard pressed to really find anywhere where we're not industry leading, yeah. whether it's the aircraft, whether it's the maintenance, whether it's our you know, current one part one forty one check ride pass rate of 100%. There you go. Um, we're, we're, we're very proud about what we do and, and it's, it's exciting. And I think it shows, it shows the pride across the entire staff and, and of the instructor group and the student group, uh, yeah. the excitement about, about what we're doing. <laughs> you said the current 141 check ride rate of a hundred percent. It just makes me think that like if I was the next guy taking my check, I'd be like, all right, I can't be the first one to fail a check ride in the history of lift. <laughs> Pressure's on. Uh, pressure is on. A little motivation on. in the back of your head is always a good thing. I know. Hey, you got that right. A little kick in the butt never hurt anyone. <laughs> right. That's awesome. What? All right. So here's kind of my story was I, my dad flies for the airlines. I always wanted to be an airline pilot, mainly because that's the only route that I kind of thought that you could do. I never really thought about corporate freight, kind of the route that I went down. I always thought it was CFI, regionals to majors, but I did aerial survey to freight to corporate. So I kind of did the complete opposite of that. And I didn't realize that until I got into my flight training and kind of got my commercial. I realized that I just love general aviation. So what happens when someone like me comes through your school where I'm a CFII, I'm training people and I'm like, Hey, like, I don't really know if I want to go down the line of being a regional pilot for Republic or even fly for the majors. I want to go fly for a NetJets or I want to go fly for UPS or FedEx. Kind of what happens in that situation? So we do require our students to commit to Republic as a first officer and then upgrade a captain for five years. Okay. So they know going into it and they sign, you know, an enrollment agreement knowing that they will fly for us for five years or pay back um, the subsidized portion of their tuition. Okay. So um, they'll never have to pay more years. than the 65000 though? So that's always going to be the final price? So yes, if they if they choose to leave, it would actually be um, eighty five thousand dollars okay. that they would pay back um, or pay total. But we try to make sure and you know counsel the students when they're you know, looking at Lyft to make sure that the airlines is their end goal mm-hmm. or at least you know a goal long enough for five years. For sure. It's one of those things that it's like they're brand new in aviation. And this was me too. I just, I, I mean, 
you don't really realize how many opportunities you have other than just being an airline pilot. So kind of it's one thing that you you think you know that's what you want to do for the rest of your career. But as you kind of build your time and build your experiences, you don't necessarily know where you're going to go. But I think that for $65,000 and a guaranteed job at Republic, I think I would have probably gone that route and stuck it out definitely for the five years. And once you're in for five years, you're, you're probably going to want to stick around for a little longer. Well, yeah, five years, I mean, it flies by, Mm -hmm. no pun intended. But (laughs) then also, you know, Republic pilots, we have several who go the cargo route from, you know, the airline flying. So FedEx, UPS, Atlas are all options for for our pilots afterwards, too. Yeah, I have a buddy that's a first officer at Republic, and that's one of his goals is to get on with UPS, FedEx, or Atlas. So it's like you said, there's other people that do that, and you can still have those opportunities at, at your fingertips. So that's cool. Absolutely. Yeah. We think five years is a, a good number for us. It allows us to, you know, make sure that the, the students that we invest in are able to, you know, come join us and, and help Republic as, as the operation, as the team for, for five years. And then after that, the, the world is their oyster. <laughs> so yeah, it's interesting when you bring up five years. So I could see one student maybe the battle that they would have of choosing this flight school and choosing another flight school might be that one, they think they can get their time faster somewhere else. And two, they, I don't necessarily want to say they're probably brainwashed in thinking that they could go somewhere and flow into a major airline faster than five years at sitting right public. What do you, I'm sure you guys have kind of done research on the five years and have you realized that maybe five years matches the same amount of time as you would sit in a flow to work up to a major airline? Is that kind of like the science behind the five years or was it just a number you guys chose? Uh, that was not exactly the thought process uh, when deriving the number, but um, it's it's basically comes comes back to a general return on investment concept mm-hmm. for us as far as what we're investing in the student, how much we're contributing to their training, and you know what it takes for us as an airline to be able to to, to kind of recoup that. So I'd say that was the main driver, um, and I'm, you know, Republic and Lyft. I think one great thing about it is that they've always been very transparent. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to speaking to potential candidates, whether it's Republic uh, speaking to potential first officer candidates or Lyft speaking to potential students, uh, we don't, we've never really been in the business of, of promising things that are speculative or using our crystal balls too much. <laughs> we like to speak more in, in, you know, things that we know and that we can, we can back up and we're confident in. Definitely. So um, I'm, I'm actually not sure if, there's a five-year flow right now. I don't think there is, but I, I'd have to look that up. You know, I don't think there's a five. I think flows have kind of, the time has gone up on those as they've come out. Obviously, as more regional airlines sign up for them, you're going to have more more pilots that are looking to, to go that route. And so that's going to slow down the flow as well. But one thing that I know people that choose Republic for is because they don't have any flows. So they can stay, they can pretty much go to any airline. You know, they're not necessarily guaranteed to go to American or Delta or United. So they can kind of choose, just like you said earlier, the world is their oyster. They can go anywhere that they want. Right. And the pilot shortage, honestly, may make that even more of a flexible option because if, you know, the main lines need as many pilots as they're saying, you know, they may be hiring well outside their flow and our pilots will be just as competitive for those positions. Definitely. Yeah. And once they're done with the five years and there we go, <laughs> they can go wherever right. they want. I, I still can't get over $65,000. It's like people, <laughs> Embry-Riddle charges, I don't even, I mean, I can't accurately say I'm just going to throw out a number because I feel like this is just what it would be, but I feel like it's like 150 grand. So you guys are 
less than you guys are less than half of what that they they charge for their flight training. And there's no way that you can tell me that what you get at Emory Riddle is going to be better than what you guys might be able to offer at, at Lyft. So I just can't get sixty five thousand out. That, that's unbelievable. All I'll say is that uh, the quality of training that's performed at Lyft is absolutely of the highest level in the industry and mm-hmm. that the value is something that, uh, like I said, we're proud of and that we think is uh, something that the industry desperately needs. So, And our goal is to make flying as accessible as possible. We want to make sure that we're bringing as many people into the cockpit who wouldn't have had a chance otherwise. Right. So we want to make the cockpit a more diverse place and give people that have dreamed about becoming a pilot actually the ability to do so. What's been the feedback from the students that you have right now? Have they all been enjoying it? And have all just, I mean, I know that they probably don't know much else, but have they been happy with everything that they've seen and gone through? I think that the um, the students who don't have previous experience, of course, you know, flying airplanes is pretty great. Mm-hmm when I think back to my days as a student. So yeah. um, if I had to say there was one gripe so far, I think that the uh, the weather in Indianapolis has been tough over the winter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, you know, we've done some uh, historical analysis on the weather, and we should be getting into some, some better flying weather here soon. And when we talk about the 12-month length of the program, that is uh, a, a length that was designed considering things like the weather that we face in the, uh, the Midwest. So we're confident that we'll be able to stay on our planned timeline. Yeah. Um, and if you obviously, go, you know, you, our program, if we you know, we had summer weather all the time, probably be quoted less than right. 12 months, but uh, we want to make sure that we, again, are, are transparent and honest with everybody. And then we do have some students that have had previous training experiences and some people that came to us and, you know, we're interested in lift because, you know, they were tired of maybe having their, their flights canceled or delayed due to maintenance issues or aircraft availability or this and that and the other thing. And, you know, something that, that, they love about Lyft is that, you know, our fleet and our maintenance are incredibly reliable when the, the weather is ready to cooperate. Our instructors are there. We have the resources they need to be successful and that now they're, they're, you know, getting in and passing check rides. Whereas mm-hmm. maybe at other, uh, other flight training providers, they didn't have as much success. No. And I'm, this is one question. So I remember when I went to Ohio state and that's where I did my 141, and it was always an issue of trying to get an airplane to try to fly an airplane. There's always like you had five people that are lined up for this hour block. Do you guys have similar issues right now? Do you kind of, have you found a good way to schedule these aircraft and to get these students in and make sure that they all are flying and no one's sitting on the ground when they have a chance to fly? Absolutely. We operate our aircraft from about six in the morning till uh, around 11 p.m. And we structure our instructor and student loads based on aircraft. So aircraft are the the controlling factor in how we build out our our class sizes and our instructor Mm -hmm. uh, cadre. So we're never double booking aircraft and we try to keep a flying spare in play at all times. So, um, yeah, I mean, aircraft availability is is not a, a substantial driver for flight cancellations or training cancellations at all. Um, the main driver, again, uh, for the past few months has, has only been winter weather, things like icing conditions. Yeah, <laughs> I, 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. When I, so I did my private pilot license at Ohio state and then I moved down South and did everything in Charlotte, North Carolina at a 61 school. And I was able to fly in the, the winter time and fly at like 4,000 feet in a solid IFR and not have to worry about icing. And I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> so I know what you mean about flying in the Midwest and how it's not necessarily always the easiest thing to do in the winter time, but it definitely makes up for it in the future as well. And plus you learn a lot more because you learn about why you're not flying. It gives you more chances of kind of do a little groundwork when maybe you might need to brush up on some other things. So it's not necessarily a bad thing to be in the ground. I think that a student should definitely take advantage of any opportunity they have to dive into the books or maybe in the sim or do some other things as well. Absolutely. And as a 12 month program in this area, you know, you get all four seasons, which I think is important in the summer, you get exposure to things like thunderstorms, summer flying, as well as the you know performance hits you're going to take with, you know, high temperatures, high humidity. And then during the winter, you get to operate and, and learn about, you know, looking at forecasts and observations and then determining when it's appropriate to fly. So I think that experience is actually invaluable at the end of the day. And another thing that we do to kind of expose students to something that is in some senses more of a challenge, but really prepares them is we are based at Indianapolis International Airport, which um, I've noticed has turned some heads in the industry when they say you, you put your flight school at an international airport. <laughs> but I think that it, it provides tremendous value. You know, from day one of your private, you're talking to clearance delivery, ground yeah. control, tower, departure, approach. And uh, if that's all you know from day one, you know, uh, that really kind of makes it. No, yeah. It makes you a lot stronger with regard to that and, and makes it a lot easier throughout the rest of your career. So we found it, it to work really well. We also get the experience, you know, we'll take. Uh, generally two students out with one instructor. So one student has the opportunity to sit in the back seat and observe mm-hmm. the flying student and the instructor, which obviously when you're not in the hot seat operating the airplane, it's a lot easier to, to you know, see errors coming yeah. from a, a distance out. And, <laughs> don't uh, do that. Don't do that. <laughs> exactly. And yeah. then we'll generally go to an uncontrolled field to do a, a student swap. So yeah. helps us pick up some efficiency and it gives you the experience both, you know, making position reports as well as flying in a, you know, Clash Charlie airspace, which is a little more complex than, than most schools have. Yeah, I think flying in a Clash Charlie is huge. Um, I mean, when I got my aerial survey job, I I flew in a Delta. I never really flew to a Charlie or Bravo, but when I did aerial survey, you're just kind of like, you have to go where the plane needs to be. So you got to talk to clearance delivery, you got to talk to ground, you got to talk to approach, you got to talk to center, you got to fly through busy airspace, and you really have to be on your game, and you really have to know how to communicate so the fact that you are teaching them that early enough, which at a 61 school at an uncontrolled field, that, I mean, I'm sure there are some schools that do a good job of making, giving you exposure to that, but it's kind of on you. It's not necessarily, you don't have to do it. Where at Indianapolis, you have to do it. You have to talk to all those. You have to go through all those steps to ensure that you can take off, to ensure that you can have a good flight. And that's really going to help prepare them for, for the future. That's how we see it. Definitely. Well, cool. Um, let's see if I have any other questions. I don't know. I feel like uh, it's pretty pretty good for questions for that. Do you guys have anything else that you want to touch on at all before we, we go? We invite you to come check out our hangar anytime. Yeah. Next time you're in Indianapolis, definitely stop by. That'd be awesome. <laughs> what uh, what hangar or where are you guys looking on the field? We are on the northeast side of the hangar. Okay. Or perfect. of the airport, sorry. Northeast side of the hangar, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> perfect. We're near, uh, we're near Signature on the uh, yeah, northeast side of runway 3214. Okay. Do the, does Indianapolis usually have, want you guys to use 3214, or do they let you go to the, they want you to take off east and west? 
You know, honestly, we uh, we prefer to use three two one four. The mm-hmm. taxi from our ramp to the end of three two <laughs> is uh, like a thirty second taxi. So yeah. if we can pick up that efficiency. That's always great. However, uh, sometimes we use the uh, the parallels. So yeah. it really depends on the day. But we've got a great working relationship with uh, you know our air traffic control in Indianapolis, and we we talk to them on a weekly basis to make sure we're identifying any uh, any challenges or opportunities to. Uh, enhance the operation so how how is the fedex rush coming to factor at all with you guys working out of there has that like hindered your training at all or do you guys kind of shut down operations when they're coming in at night you know with part of our uh, dual paired operation uh, we've got a you know an afternoon fedex push where they uh come in and what we do is we actually send our instructors students out uh again two at a time and they'll go out for about a four-hour block so they'll depart they'll go fly around they'll swap elsewhere by the time they come back in that push is complete and as I said earlier, our normal hours of operation are about uh, 6 a.m. to 11 p.m. So that keeps us away from most of the night operations for FedEx. Yeah, that's good. Stay away. I, yeah, fly. when I flew freight, we had to go pick up some freight in Indianapolis and where else? In Louisville for UPS and in Memphis where the main FedEx hub is. And trying to get in there in the rush, it's, even in a plot, they're like, uh, get out of the way. We need to do something else. <laughs> it's like, I think I had to do three or four turns to try to land in Memphis. And eventually like, all right, enough of this. And I had to go land at different airport to go ahead and pick up have them send the freight there so it's definitely interesting when that rush comes sure we're always Uh, focused on being good neighbors at the uh, indianapolis airport so we uh we try to keep ourselves clear of that (laughs) you guys are smart for sure (laughs) well perfect well before we go i want you guys to go ahead and kind of just say every way that they can get all the information on lift academy you know say a website say everything you can possibly think your emails telephone number of how they can get more information or even how they can apply yeah, definitely check out our website. We, you can locate us at www.flywithlift.com. We're on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at flywithlift as well. And then if you're interested or have any questions, our main email address would be explore at flywithlift.com. Perfect. And do you guys have a set number of students you're looking for, or is it kind of as many as you can get? So we... When we're at full capacity, we'll be training 300 to 350 students here at the Indianapolis site. And um, we're, yeah, it's a lot of students. We've got large goals. But then monthly, we've got about 15 to 20 students starting with us. And um, we're filling right now. We've got our classes filled through May. So if people are interested in applying, apply now, get through that interview process so we can, you know, schedule the class date as soon as possible. Perfect. That's awesome. And then I guess my last question would be, as you guys grow, would there ever be a need to kind of, have you ever thought about expanding outside of Indianapolis and I don't know, maybe going somewhere warmer and doing a site down there? Or is it kind of just going to want to keep it small, want to keep it close to Republic and keep it as controlled as possible? You know, right now our focus is uh, on our operation in Indianapolis, but um, you know, we always, we always think big at lift. So (laughs) what the future holds is a, to be determined, but, but right now good. our main focus is Indianapolis. Well, perfect. Well, Ed, Lauren, thank you guys so much for coming on. I appreciate you sharing more about Lyft and kind of, <clears throat> and the opportunities that students will have there and just kind of the, the price is just amazing. And the fact that you can get on right away with a, with Republic Airlines as an FO is pretty amazing. So I think this will be very beneficial for people to hear more about the flight school and kind of the, the who, the what, the why, and the how they're going to get their training done. And I just very, very thankful for you guys coming on. And I look forward to talking to you guys again and talk more about 
what your students are doing outside of Lyft and how they've done at the airlines or freight, wherever they do decide to go after their five years at Republic. So thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. And uh, hopefully we'll talk soon. Thanks, Justin. Thanks so much, Justin. That was fun. Yeah, a lot of fun. Thank you. And that is a wrap of episode number 56. Aviation, thank you guys for listening to today's episode. Um, I think it was great to hear about Lyft Academy. I think it's great to hear about different flight schools that are out there, price points, kind of their plan and their goal and how they think they can attract students to get there. I don't know about you guys, but the idea of having a guaranteed CFI job, a guaranteed FO job at Republic, and only having to give five years back to Republic, I think that's a pretty good deal. But as always, make sure you do all your research. Make sure you find the right school for you. Lyft might be the right school for someone, but it might not be the right school for someone else. So make sure you do all of your research, contact students that are there, contact former students, read online, kind of just, like I said, just do your research. Make sure that you find the perfect school for you. Lyft might be good for you, ATP might be good for you, or your local Part 61, or even your university school might be the best option for you. So always, always do your research. And uh, yeah, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. And as always, happy flying.